0: Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. book of Joshua, chapter 1. I mentioned before that in BBS, the kids had been going through some of the stories from Joshua, including some of the verses we'll be hearing today. This morning I'll be reading Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, To the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Imagine you at some point in your life have had a task, a job that just felt too big. Whether as a kid you were told to go clean your room and you opened the door and saw what it was that you actually had to do. Or as a new parent holding a child and saying, I have to do what now? Is is somebody going to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to do here now that I'm responsible for a human life? Or maybe a friend coming to you in a time of crisis, seeking advice and counsel and help, unloaded and unburdened their heart before you, and you realized you had no idea what to say. You had no idea what to do. The truth is, there are many times where we feel too small, too inadequate for the task before us. And when we understand the reality of following Jesus, of what it means to be a disciple, we should feel the same way. We should feel inadequate. We should feel small. We should feel that we are not up to the task. Whether we're thinking about the great task of building God's kingdom, or simply living out the Gospel in the midst of our day-to-day struggles, we can and often should realize that the job is too big for us. Joshua must have felt the same way as he led Israel right up to the border of the promised land, feeling the weight of their expectations, feeling the burden of a whole generation's hopes. He was one of only two men left who had actually gone into that land and seen what was before them and knew how great and mighty was the task and how formidable it was. He knew what was before them. And God comes to him and encourages him because the Lord does not want us to be frozen by fear. Just as Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 1 that, the, that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We are not to be ruled by fear, but how do we do it? How do we move from that position of, of fear and hesitation and move in towards boldness And obedience. What we learn from God's word to Joshua here this morning. Is that God has given us everything we need. To do what it is that he's called us to do. We need hope. We need courage. We need direction. And God in giving us himself. Gives us everything we need. The first thing we see is that God's plan gives us hope. God's plan gives us hope. The book of Joshua begins by reminding the reader of the significant, big, major event that has just happened. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. You and I can't begin to understand how significant that was. What a big deal it was. Moses had performed the miracles in Egypt. Moses had faced off against Pharaoh and the greatest empire of their day, and he won. Moses had parted the Red Sea so that an entire nation walked on dry land, and then called it to close again, submerging and destroying their enemies. Moses had gone up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments and spoke personally to the Lord again and again. Moses had brought water from the rock, manna in the desert. This whole nation of Israelites, with the exceptions only of Joshua and Caleb, had been born in the wilderness and lived their whole lives under the leadership of Moses. Deuteronomy 34, the verses just before this in the Bible, describe it this way. There has not arisen a prophet since. In Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt. To Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. There's no one like Moses. And now, as the nation of Israel prepares for the big event that they have been waiting Forty years to accomplish entering the promised land. They stand at the very edge and Moses is dead. And just in case there are those who are thinking, well, we didn't actually see Moses die. He went up the mountain and hasn't come down yet. That happened before and we got in trouble for not waiting. So maybe we just should stick around here at the edge of the Jordan and wait for Moses to come back and lead us gloriously into victory. No, the Lord clears that confusion up in verse 2. The Lord Himself says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Don't stand around here waiting for the good old days to come back again and for things to be like they were. We're moving forward. I'm not going to risk hurting feelings by giving specific examples, but you can imagine a sports team that builds its entire strategy around one superstar player. And then that player gets injured or retires, or gets traded to another team. And suddenly that that team has no plan for victory. They can't do it anymore. They need their superstar. And suddenly they can't win. There's a danger that the people of God faced in Joshua's day. A danger faced by the people of God in every age, including by us today. And that is that we think the great works of God can only be done by specific, important people. You can fill in whatever name you want, be it John Calvin or Billy Graham or one of the apostles or some great figure or leader or teacher that you respect and admire. And we can put our hope in that person or that ministry or that group. And sometimes God does use those things to do His work just like He used Moses. But what we need to remember and what the Lord is careful to remind Joshua at this point about Moses, is that our hope is never to be in the people used by God, but only in God Himself. You need to hear that. Our hope is never to be in the people used by God. Our hope is only in God Himself. Verses 2 and 3 remind us of this. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Just as I promised to Moses, who is giving them the land? Was it Moses that was to give them the promised land? No, it was not. It was the Lord that gave them the land. Who was it that promised them success? Was it Moses? No, it was not. It was the Lord. Child of God, where is your hope? Is your hope in a person? A leader? A teacher? An author? Is your hope in a specific church? A specific denomination? A government? A political party? Even Moses dies. Every human. Every institution, no matter how greatly it has been used by God in the past, it will eventually prove not worthy of your true hope. And when we look to the wrong things, we will lose heart. The Lord does not fail. That's His message here to Joshua. Moses may be dead, but God's plan doesn't need Moses. You you can't picture God going around wringing His hands every time a great leader or great figure dies or is discredited or every time a certain church fails or something bad happens. God does not wring His hands and frantically search for a plan B. Oh, how am I going to do this without my star? Without my star player? That's never how God is acting. Does that mean we don't follow great leaders and great teachers and learn from them? Absolutely not. We, we rejoice in what God does through them. But we recognize that it is God at work through them. So our hope and our trust are always only in the Lord. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 146, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. My friends, God's plan, which gives you hope, doesn't need anyone else. God's plan doesn't need a superstar. It doesn't need a saint. There is no leader, no government, no nation, no ministry upon which God's plan depends. God's plan needs God and Him alone. And as surely as God exists, His plan will be fulfilled. Amen? That gives us hope, no matter what happens. So, in order for us to do the things God has called us to do, we see that He supplies all that we need. We see that His plan gives us hope. We also see next that God's presence gives us courage. Kids, have you ever felt afraid of the dark? you ever seen the lights go out and want them to come back on? What, what is it other than the light? Okay, I'm not just talking to kids here. All of us. What is it other than the light that gives you courage in the darkness? Is it not... The hand of somebody, the presence of mom, dad, or someone you trust, that is there with you in the dark? Does that not give you courage even when the light is out? That's the next thing that God tells Joshua. Because Israel, and especially Joshua, will need to be brave in what they're facing. God gives them the one thing that they need to be brave. He gives himself because the presence of God gives us courage. They're facing a big task. They're... they're they're going up against Jericho. You know Jericho, right? The, the great and mighty city with the thick walls so thick you could run chariots across the top. If anybody got close, they would dump purple slushies down on you, uh, according to Veggie Tales. Uh, this formidable opponent that they just can't get past. At least not on their own effort. And not only that, the people in the land were, were strong and mighty. Israel had been wandering in the desert. They're weary, gaunt, The Canaanites are strong and mighty. Listen to how the spies described you. Remember the spies? 40 years earlier, 12 12 men went in and looked at the promised land and came back with a report. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, Yeah, it's, whoa, it's crazy. It's going to be tough, but God's with us. Let's do it. But the other 10 said, Uh uh, we can't do it. Here's what they said Numbers 13. They said, the land is a land that devours its inhabitants. If we go in there, it's going to eat us up. And all the people that we saw in it are huge. They're of great height. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. They were scared. The world seemed like a big, scary, threatening place. And they didn't feel like they were big enough to handle it. We get that way, don't we? I'm not just talking to the kids here. I'm talking to all of us. We get that way. The world is terrifying. Big walls around sinful cities. Men and women so powerful, we feel like tiny grasshoppers. What can we possibly do? What can we possibly think that we're able to do in the face of all that? And the wrong response to that sort of feeling. The wrong response is to try to muscle up and to fight the way the world does. Are they rich? We'll be richer. Do they have power and influence and and can legislate things? We'll get more power. Do they use harsh words and insults and put people down? We'll use the same harsh words and we'll turn the cannons around and we'll we'll speak to them like they speak to us. We'll take the power that they have and use it against them. Brothers and sisters, that is a grave mistake. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh. We don't fight the way the world fights. For though the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but instead have divine power to destroy strongholds. The Lord told Joshua that victory for God's people was certain. And therefore he could be courageous. But that victory and that certainty is not based on Joshua's strengths or Israel's numbers or some sort of strategy that they had going in. The victory and assurance and confidence and courage of God's people is based on one thing that changes everything. Verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. As the Lord would later tell His people through the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the Lord says, Not by might, nor by power but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not strength that gives us courage. It's not because we know more. It's not because we're more clever. It's because of the Lord with us. The Lord is with you. You, today. Not just Joshua. Not just Moses. Not just the men and women of Scripture that we read about. He is with you here today, now. If you trust in Christ, He has given you His Holy Spirit. The Spirit which lives in you, dwells in you. Jesus says that the Father makes his home with you. John 14, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. God is with you. Amen? God is with you. Reminds me of a a kid's book, The Gruffalo. You ever heard of the Gruffalo? Silly preacher. Doesn't he know there's no such thing as a Gruffalo? But there is. See, it's a story of a little mouse. And this mouse is wandering through the forest and and he in sequence encounters a fox and an owl and a snake. Now what do foxes, owls, and snakes do with mice? They eat them. They eat them up. So how do you think this mouse is feeling as he's trying to make his way through the forest encountering all these mighty, scary, formidable creatures? He's he's frightened. But through his cleverness and his ingenuity, he manages to escape and uh, convinces them that there's something called a gruffalo that's going to get them. But then the mouse meets a gruffalo. The gruffalo. Which is as big and ugly as it sounds. The gruffalo with poisonous warts on its nose and a big purple tongue and and giant fangs and claws and big furry giant body the gruffalo. Well the mouse tricks the gruffalo into following him through the forest. And as the tiny little mouse and the big giant buffalo gruffalo go walking through the forest they again encounter the fox and the snake and the owl. Who do you think scared this time? Is it the mouse? No. The fox runs away. The owl flies for safety. The snake slithers into the deepest hole he can find. Is, has anything changed in the mouse? Has the mouse, like, bulked up and had his protein shake and, you know, did his reps and now he's like super mouse? No. They're not scared of the mouse. Why does the mouse have courage? Because he's got something mighty at his back. That's how it is for us, brothers and sisters. Nothing changes with us. Though we walk through a terrifying world and powers human, societal, historical, and even demonic will remind us of how weak and vulnerable and mouse-like we are. And like the Israelites, we may feel in our own eyes like grasshoppers. God promises that He is with us. He is present. And whatever we face in life, we can have courage in Hebrews 13, the author quotes this, this verse from Joshua and goes on and says, For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? That's the question. What can anyone do to you if the Lord is with you? And so the Lord, in verse 9, says to Joshua, if you find any of the VBS kids, you can ask them to sing it for you have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So there's one more thing that the Lord gives us. Just because we know that God's plan is moving forward and therefore we have hope. Just because we know that God is with us and that gives us courage, we might take that knowledge and run the wrong way with it. It's it's like if you've ever seen the, the comedy movie, The Three Amigos, with yeah, Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase. They're playing, uh, they're, they're playing, you know, in the silent movie era, they're playing actors who are heroes, brave heroes in Mexico who fight bad guys. And, and they get in this comical situation where they think they're acting in a movie, but it's real life, and they, they suddenly realize that these bad guys are actually going to kill them. And so they do the only natural thing they would do in that situation. They run away. But through a series of character development, they realize they've got to stand up and do the right thing for once in their life. And so finally, emboldened and brave, they mount their horses and they ride off into the desert to go after El Guapo and his men, the bad guy, and to rescue the village. And the next scene is them sitting around a campfire saying, So, uh, how long do you think we went before we had to turn around and get directions? Yeah, three or four miles, maybe. The, The point is, we can take all that courage... And all that boldness, and go off in the wrong direction with it. Just because the Lord says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, that doesn't mean I can do whatever I want. That verse says that we can do what God has called us to do. We can do all that the Lord gives us to do. God doesn't give us courage so that we can do whatever we want. He doesn't give us His presence to embolden us to fulfill our own plans. Instead, God's path gives us direction. That's the third thing the Lord gives us. He gives us hope by His plan. He gives us courage with His presence. He gives us direction with His path. And that's what He reminds Joshua and the Israelites here in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may have good success wherever you go. What's really interesting to me about this verse is that it explains what it means to be strong and courageous. You know, it's too easy to read that phrase, be strong and courageous, and think, oh, so should I try skydiving if I'm so courageous? That's my wife's thing, not mine. Okay? Uh, be strong, okay, so I'm going to lift those things that, you know, that made me pull my back last time I tried to lift them. That's, that's not strong and courageous, according to these verses. According to what the Lord says here, being strong and courageous means doing what the Lord commands. Which doesn't sound like much, is it? But it is. Because obeying God's commands isn't always an easy thing. It requires strength and courage. Sure, sometimes it is easy because we think of the commands that we like. Lift your voice and sing to the Lord. That doesn't require a lot of strength or courage, does it? Uh, love one another. Pray for one another. Okay, th- those are not that hard, but some commands are really hard. Be honest, even when it means you'll get in trouble. Be kind and helpful to the ones that are mean to you. Honor those in authority, even when you didn't vote for them and don't like them and don't respect them. Don't complain and get angry when things are unfair. If you have money, when you have money, don't keep it all. Give back to God. These are the things that are harder to obey. And there are some that are harder still because they're unpopular. Because people will make fun of us. Because we will lose status, reputation, even freedom, simply by obeying God's commands. So yes, obeying God means that we must be strong and courageous. But it tells us the direction that we need to go. There's something else we need to see in that. Looking at the end of verse 7 and then verse 8, the Lord says, Do not turn from my commands to the right hand or to the left, so that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The Lord tells Joshua, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to to have success. If you obey God's Word, then everything's going to work out for you. Which seems to be the opposite of what I was just saying. That, That obeying God is to go against the grain of the world and requires us to be strong and courageous even when we will suffer. We've talked before about how God wants us to understand the idea of reward and success. And I think it's worth going over again. Because if we read these verses and think that they're telling us that the Lord's telling Joshua that if we obey God's command, we get some sort of reward or prize for our obedience, then we're, we're mostly wrong in that. You know, if I tell myself, okay, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going I'm to go to the gym five days a week this month. And then at the end, I'm going to eat all of the McDonald's that there is. Okay? Okay. I'm rewarding myself for that obedience, but that reward has nothing to do with what I've been doing, with with the the the, the obedience that I've been showing. However, if I say I'm gonna go, I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna eat healthy, I'm gonna cut out the sugary drinks, and then at the end of the month, I'm gonna be able to keep up with my kids without losing my breath. You know, I'm gonna be able to, to lift things without straining my back. I'm gonna have a healthier body. The reward is the consequence of the obedience. That is the kind of reward that the Lord promises us. Because the commands that He gives us are not arbitrary. They're not just these willy-nilly things that the Lord has said, jump through these hoops, and if you do it right, I'll reward you. No, the Lord in His commands has laid out the only path towards happiness that there is. And obedience finds and experiences that reward. God is telling Joshua is that his commands are the best way to live. That's how it was for Adam and Eve. The Lord laid out for them a path of happiness and prosperity and success. And Adam and Eve said, no, we're going to try it this way. We have a different idea of what's going to make us happy and prosperous and successful. And ever since then, we've been doing the same thing. The Lord says this, I who made you, I who made the world, know how it is meant to be lived. And we say, yeah, but I'm still going to do this and see how it works out for me. And the Lord tells us again and again, follow my way. It's the only way to be prosperous, to be successful, to find happiness. Proverbs 14 warns us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so the Proverbs encourage us in chapter 3 to trust in the Lord with all your heart And do not lean on your own understanding of of what's the right thing to do, of what, what way is going to make you happy, of what success can look like. Instead, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and He will make straight your paths. God's commands lead us on that straight path. His path is the direction we need to move forward. As we sang earlier, be thou my wisdom, thou my true word. Don't let me listen in to another word, another wisdom that says, no, this will make you happy. This will bring true reward. No. Lean not on your own understanding. And that is all the more important when we face confusing times, hard days, and a scary world. It's essential that we look to the Lord to know the right steps to take. But Here's the challenge. And in fact, I love that it's Joshua who lays out for us the real challenge with this. And in VBS, I keep looking back there, not because I'm pointing at Richard, but because that's where the storyteller was in VBS. And we, as the storytellers went through this story with the kids, we talked about the last words of Joshua. We're all familiar with Joshua standing before God's people after they'd conquered the promised land saying, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Right? We love that verse. You ever kept reading after it? Joshua 24, verse 19. Because the people said, Yes, we'll serve the Lord. We choose the Lord. And Joshua said, You're not able to serve the Lord. For He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Anybody put that on a plaque in their house? (laughs) Follow my commands, Joshua. Follow my commands, Israel, and I will make your way prosperous. You can't do it. You can't. God calls us to follow His way and not swerve to the right or to the left. He calls us to keep His Word in our minds and in our hearts and to follow it always, but He knows that we won't. Our inclination, like Adam and Eve, is to swerve to the right and to the left, and to follow our own way, which is why we have Jesus. He is the one who perfectly follows that path that God laid out. He is the presence of God with us. He is the plan of God for our salvation. So when you see that God calls you to be strong and courageous and to obey His Word, you need not fear and worry. What if I'm not strong enough? What if I'm not courageous Enough! What if I'm not obedient enough? The answer is, you're not. And God knows you're not. You never will be. The Gospel is not a matter of you hearing these commands and then trying hard enough. The Gospel is not something that just informs you of the way of salvation. The Gospel is that Jesus is enough. Only Jesus is strong enough, courageous enough, Faithful and obedient enough, and everything you and I do, everything that we're able to do, is because Jesus is enough. I will never tire of taking you to this one of my favorite passages of Scripture that, that explains this for me. 2 Peter. The apostle writes in 2 Peter 1, that God's divine power has granted to us, has given us all things that pertain to to life and godliness, everything we need to live and to follow God and, and his ways through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted given to us his precious and very great promises. Let me let me unfold for you the beauty of what that just said. God's promises, his promise to be with us. His promise to direct us by His commands. His promise to fulfill His purposes and His plans. His promises are so powerful that they actually give us everything we need to do everything He's called us to do. And then look at the next verse, what Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort. And Peter goes on to describe the effort we are to make. The virtue we are to add to our life the faithfulness and self-control and all the other things we're supposed to do. Why do we do it? Because God has already given us what we need to do it. His promises. Sisters and brothers, God has given us His promises. We do not make every effort to be strong and courageous and obedient in order that God will then bless us and reward us. The beauty of the Gospel is the other way around. We strive We obey, we make every effort. We are strong and we are courageous because He has already rewarded and blessed and loved us through Jesus Christ. That was His powerful promise to Joshua. That is His powerful, effective promise to us today. Let us rejoice in that. Heavenly Father, You know the needs of Your people. You have called us to do things that we can't imagine doing by our own strength. But You are a God who does not call us to do anything that You do not equip us to do. And as You've called us to obey, to take heart, to have great courage, and to be Your faithful people, we rejoice knowing You have given us Yourself. And in giving us Yourself, You have given us everything we need. We praise you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen.